Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... The truth is, we cannot work for our salvation. Why? It's a gift. That's the truth. We cannot work for our salvation, yet we cannot be passive in the salvation gift that God has given to us. So the Apostle Paul says, work out your own salvation. The Bible screams to us not to pit that God's part and your part thing against each other, but let them each maintain their place. Many religions will tell you that there is a list of physical deeds you must accomplish in this life in order to attain eternal life. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, however, is that he recognizes that you cannot reach holiness on your own strength. He sacrificed his life so that you can spend eternity with him. Today, Pastor Jim challenges listeners with this. Because you have been given such a gift, your work on this earth should be that of joy and thanksgiving so as to reflect that same love to others. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Work. I came from a church that sat 700 people, and and they lived in the day when there was a line to get into the church. When I got there, there was 300 people. And now they have about 30 people going there. Because what? Nostalgia. He doesn't want nostalgia. The Lord doesn't want nostalgia. He wants new growth. He wants new Christians. He He wants new maturity. So he says, therefore, again, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now notice this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the apostle here is telling the Philippian church, by extension, any church, any Christian that would read this letter, just as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was a humble, obedient servant of God, We should be two. That's a mark, okay, of a true Christian, is that someone who is a true Christian works out their salvation, not works for their salvation, we'll talk about that in a second, but works it out. Their faith works. That's how you can tell a true Christian. Now, 10 years earlier, the Apostle Paul went to Philippi, and that's how the church got started. Acts chapter 16, you can read it on your own time, and he called the people to believe, He was just out there just talking and he called them to believe. He called people to put their trust in Jesus Christ and they obeyed. They did what God said. The call is God's call. He just uses people to make the call. They obeyed and they were what we call saved. Okay, saved from the judgment of God. They have received the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, which we talked about before. And the church was founded. But now the apostle Paul is gone. He's gone. He's not around anymore. We have his letters, but he's gone. Jesus is not around anymore. We have the spirit of God, but he's not here, okay? So the call now is for the people in the church to obey the word of God, to work out what God has already worked in, to express their faith together as a church and individually as Christians. So it would appear to some people that it's a tension, but it's not. it's not. It's not your faith 
or the church, that, that's so westernized and so Americanized. People go like, well, I don't need to be part of a church to be a Christian. And I'm like, that's fine as long as it's not Jesus you're talking about. Because people say, well, church is full of messed up people. Amen and amen, right? <laughs> yep, and that's part of what we need to be a part of because we're part of the messed up people. Maybe not you, I am, obviously, okay? And so we're part of that because that is how God molds us. We'll talk about being sanctified into the image of Christ. So it's not, it's not your faith or the church, it's your faith and the church. Philippians 1.6, very popular verse, the apostle wrote this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, Remember we said that it was both an individual work and a corporate work among the church will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. All of this introduces us into what we sometimes call the paradox of grace. They seem like they're opposite, but they're not at all, is that since God is at work, so are his people. And one of the ways that we know that God is at work is that his people are at work because he who began a good work in us, which is the Holy Spirit coming to reside in a believer when they put their trust in Jesus, he is faithful to complete it. So he is doing the work, yet, if you will, we have to put legs on it, the work that is part of this life that we call the salvation life. So I love what Pastor Paul, to them, you know, they knew he was the Apostle Paul, but he was also their pastor. He founded the church. I love what he's saying here in chapter one and two. What is he saying? I don't need to be with you for the work of the Lord to continue. Sometimes as the pastor of this church, I can't stand when I show up at a place. Some of you are like, we can't stand when you show up at this place either. Why? Because I can see from afar how the God's people are fast at work. I mean, they're just getting it done, particularly on our outreaches, I see this. And then I walk up and they go, what do you want us to do? I'm like, I want you to just keep doing what you're doing. It's great because I can see that God's at work because his people are at work. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. And God says, listen, that's enough. We can do this work. And so now more than ever, the Philippian church must take the initiative to work out the salvation that the Lord has given them. And so the idea of working it out here, this idea of work out, is a continuous. And so the idea for them and for us, for any, any follower of Jesus Christ, is a continuous, sustained, but I would say not burdensome effort. It's one of those things in the work of God, like you see with Jesus, he got tired from the work, but not tired of the work. Big difference. But it takes effort. God is looking for his people to be active in the activity of working out the salvation that he has already put in us. Now, before you say, I can't do that in the Christian life, we haven't gotten to verse 13 yet. And before you say, oh, I can definitely do that, no problem. We haven't gotten to verse 13 yet because we have to hold our inability to do it and our ability to do it, again, in very tight tension. We start by admitting that we all need God's grace to do God's work. And we need more grace because how easy is it for us to say something and not do it? You picture yourself doing these things for God, right? And then, you know, I'm, oh, I'm going to get up. Saturday morning, and I'm going to do this, and you're like, oh, man, 
you know, you hit the Jesus snooze button on your alarm and it's, it's, it's just, just too tiring. Or, you know, this is vacation time of the year. A lot of people are saying, you know, I got four books I'm going to bring on vacation. And, you know, that's what I, I'm going to, I'm going to read them. And they're just in the way. You don't even open them when you're on vacation. And that, that it's because it's easy to think the stuff and, and not do it. So we have to admit that we need help. And this is the part of salvation that we call sanctification. It's, it's part of it. And it is to be sanctified is to be set apart. And it is the process where God makes his people more like Jesus. And so we are to work that out with fear and trembling. Does that sound like a half-hearted effort? No, not at all. It's a wholehearted effort. Because what might seem contradictory is not, is there is both a human and divine activity in the total work of salvation. Now, before again, you want to just, you know, start writing letters and emails and paint me as a heretic, I think that part of the issue when we have in talking about this stuff, this is why a lot of people are confused with passages like this, is because we don't exactly have our terms right. And I'll call your attention to Romans chapter 4. In the eyes of the Jewish people, Abraham was the dude. He was the most righteous guy. Now, for me personally, I'm kind of more of a Moses fan myself, but that's another story for another day because I, like, I can't believe what this guy Moses did. But anyway, a- Abraham was the righteous guy. And so in the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 is laying out for the people of God that not even Abraham is righteous before God. So we're supposed to go, if he wasn't righteous, then I'm not righteous. So when the Bible says none are righteous, no, not one, and includes Abraham, that would include me too. Well, then he says, Romans 4, 5, he says, but to him who does not work, and the idea is working for salvation, but believes on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who justifies the ungodly, That's called justification. That's a lot of what the American church refers to as salvation. It's justification. His faith is accounted for righteousness. So what a lot of Americans would say is salvation, you being instantaneously in that moment forgiven, is really justification, which is part of the totality of the salvation package. It has to do with being made right with God, and it's obviously from who? It's him who justifies the ungodly. So who makes you right in front of God? God. God himself makes you right in front of God. It's from him we can't add to it. But the apostles also taught that our lives are also part of God's what we call redemptive work, what the Bible writers call salvation, which is really a before you're a Christian experience, it really starts, we just don't see it. We'll talk to that, about that in a second. All the way until the time you come into future glory. Salvation in the word of God is not restricted to the initial act of faith and conversion. It is the totality of the journey to heaven. That's why he says, work out your salvation. 
not work out for an initial moment. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying work out the totality of your journey from your justification all the way until your glorification from when God declares you right in his eye to all the time, until all the time you see Jesus' face. Now, some of you are like, Okay, not complaining. I understood you there. I'm a little lost after that. Okay, let me show you something that might help some of us. Turn to your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2. Keep your finger in Philippians. Turn to Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved. So if, if you have been saved, it's because of what? Grace. Good. Very good class. Okay. Okay. And that, not of yourselves. If I go, uh, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. No, can't be. Can't be because it's not of yourselves. Why? Because it's what? It's a gift. And who gave us the gift? God. It's a gift of God. Verse 9, not of works. Not what we did, lest anyone should boast. So when I say, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, what am I doing? I'm boasting. I'm boasting. The Bible says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Verse 10. Now, verse 10 seems to say the opposite for some people. For we are his workmanship or his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Now, let's remember, let, before we, we camp out on verse 10, let's remember what we just learned in verse 8 and 9. Salvation is by grace. It's a gift. It's not of my works because it's a gift, okay? But the gift needs to be opened, needs to be assembled, needs to be used, right? A gift that somebody gives you and just sits in the corner is worth what? It's worth nothing. So maybe think of it this way. In Philippians 8 and 9, okay, when he says, not of works lest anyone should boast, that is human works. And in verse 10, when he says that we were created for good works, those are God's works. So in, in earlier, he's saying, you're not saved by the good stuff that you do. You're saved by God because it's a gift. But then you work out God's works because they are part of working out the gift that you have received from God. Does that make sense? I think we're doing better now. Thank God for Ephesians chapter 2. So the Apostle Paul is telling the Philippian church, okay, well, he's telling the Ephesians, you're, you're not saved by your behavior. It's a gift from God. You grab it, you access it by faith, and the proof that you have grabbed it by faith is verse 10, what we would call good works or righteous living, walking in love, which I would include repenting when you fail. And saying, oh God, thank you so much that you, you've forgiven me. And for Philippi, he's telling the Philippian church, the outworking of your personal salvation will be seen in looking out for others in the church. It will be individually seen by a corporate expression. Now, some people want to call this emphasis on our part legalism. 
And that's simply because they don't understand what legalism is. Legalism is someone who thinks that they live for God and God's so happy that's why he's taking them to heaven. They're like scoring brownie points with God. That's, that's not what he's talking about here. And the simple part is they have not merged verse 12 of Philippians 2 with verse 13. Other people only talk about God's part. Like it's all of the Lord, you know, it's just the Lord. And that typically is the other end of the spectrum which kind of goes into something we call license or liberalism, both incorrect extremes. The truth is, we cannot work for our salvation. Why? It's a gift. That's the truth. We cannot work for our salvation, yet we cannot be passive in the salvation gift that God has given to us. So the Apostle Paul says, work out your own salvation. The Bible screams to us not to pit that God's part and your part thing against each other, but let them each maintain their place. So here we have a clear call to take responsibility for yourself. Remember he said, look out for your own interests and the clear call to take responsibility for other people in the church. And maybe that was the problem. Maybe the Philippian church had started to come and go and come and go and come and go. And a few people were handling all the problems that were in the church or the needs that were in the church. And the apostles saying, no, 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 no. This is not the way God wants his church to operate. And I know this is not going to be easy to hear for some of you, but I truly say this because I love you. And it's not too late here for any of us. If you are not actively engaged in the loving of other people in the church, you are not obeying Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. You're just not. You're not working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't care how much you're doing miracles, speaking in tongues, blah, 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 right? Remember the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, I'm a resounding gong if I don't have love. So we have to all ask ourselves, does my sensitivity, does my service to other people in the body of Christ demonstrate fear and trembling? J.B. Phillips calls it awe and responsibility. Not a fear that God is going to hurt us, but a fear that we're not being what God has called us to be. A, a, deep, a deep concern that, that maybe I'm saying I'm grateful for the cross, but my life does not express that I am. And a very, very deep concern, very deep concern. The God who loves people in a variety of ways is not loving people through my life. You see, so much of God's grace to, to a Christian is mediated or comes through someone else's life. Haven't you, many of you, experienced God's love through the actions and the heart and the hugs and the cards and the love of another Christian? That's so often how God does it. And we, there should be a fear and a trembling like, God, is that part of my life being expressed the Christian life is a life of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus. And it happens by being with Jesus and being like Jesus. That's the goal of the Christian life. 
So when we're with Jesus, maybe in reading your Bible and praying, you're resting in what Jesus has done. I'm, I'm not under the condemnation for my sin. I am not under the judgment of my sin. I am, I am resting in what Jesus has done, but it's also in the work that Jesus has for me to do in his, in his world. Because he's gone and, and the apostles are gone and transmitting the faith now happens from one Christian to another. And when these activities of rest and work are fused and blended together, this is how we grow in the Christian life. If Jesus has saved you, we express our gratitude to him by following him. We express our gratitude by living what we already are. Forgiven people, very loved people, precious in God's sight. And we are called to live that out. Like the Lord Jesus Christ worked out his father's plan for his life, you and I are called to work it out too. And what would the world do with a group of people that had that mindset? What would the world do with a group of people that just gave their lives to expressing their love for God? What would he do in your workplace if you just did that? What would he do in a church? Look what he did with the apostles. I mean, these just a few ragtag group of guys. I mean, the apostle Paul is obviously brilliant, but the rest of them were not like that. They were tradesmen. They're fishermen, tax collectors. They were you know, good with math, okay? You know, one was a crook, Judas. But God used them in a mighty way. Somebody challenged Dwight L. Moody with that. And he said, you know, the world hasn't seen a guy that would be sold out for him. And Dwight L. Moody just simply said, I just want to be that guy. If you don't know who he was, he was the Billy Graham of his generation. I just want to be that guy. Here's the wonderful thing about God's grace is you don't have to be afraid of failure. You don't have to be afraid because God is going to love you when you fail. You, know, you can be recklessly going out serving God, right? Now, you have to think about things and you can't be dumb, but you don't, God's not going to be like, you failure, you miserable, rotten failure. If God has laid it on your heart to do the work and with, with wisdom and, and with love and with care in your heart, he is not going to be disappointed in you. That's just not the way he is. And so we move from this exhortation, this urgent call to joyful work to the encouragement for joyful work. What's the encouragement? What's the incentive? What's the, what's the motivation for me trying to talk with, with my coworker who's asked me round about some of these things about church and about God and, and what is it? What is my incentive or encouragement to work out my salvation with fear and trembling? Well, verse 13, he says, for... And you, if you have your Bible with you, you probably want to circle that word. Because that is really and such an important word in all of what we're talking about today. And you might want to put in the margin uh, a because or since. He says, you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling for because or since it is God who works in you. That's how you can do it. I mean, think about that. That is an amazing statement. The creator of the universe, he's not saying, well, he's helping you along. He's not saying with you, you know, God's with you. God's your co-pilot. Don't get in that car. <laughs> right? He's not saying any of that. What is he saying? That it is God who works in you. That is a fact for a Christian. 
So the idea is like that God is within you. The spirit of God is within you. He's, he's in your hearts. He's in our hearts. He's among us. He's in our midst. Sometimes I watch people and, and I watch people in the church and I think, oh, there's someone who's really hurting, really hurting. And I want to get to them. And I'm, I'm like running. I'm like, oh, come here. You know, and people are trying to tackle me like, where are the paper plates? Where the, where's this? Where's that? You know, and I'm like, no, no. And then all of a sudden I see someone else grab them and start to pray with them. And I'm like, oh, I want to say to everybody, shh, Jesus is here. He's here. He's walking in the midst of us. He doesn't need Pastor Jim. Who's Pastor Jim? Pastor Jim will have more insights to share from the book of Philippians the next time you join us. You've been listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. This message from the book of Philippians is available to anyone who calls 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the right teaching in your hands. Again, you can get a copy of today's study on CD when you call 973-659-3380 or by sending an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love also has a website with quite a bit of information. The address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. That's www.changedbyloveradio.com. At the website, you can check out our additional resources, drop us a note, or give securely to support the ongoing expenses of bringing you this program. Changed by Love is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located at 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. From all of the production team, we want to say thank you for joining us today, and we pray that God's Word would change your lives in more ways than you've ever dreamed possible. Please mark your Bibles and join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Philippians, right here on Changed by Love.